The Bain Free Radio Hour. Welcome to the Bain Free Radio Hour. It's a pleasure to have you along. I am Bain Associate Editor and your podcast host, David Afsharirad. Today, we bring you a different sort of podcast. If you've been around the science fiction and fantasy worlds for a while, particularly if you're a convention goer, you might have heard about this con called Liberty Con. In fact, Bain published a book called Give Me Liberty Con uh, some time back. Liberty Con is a completely unique con experience, and it is really something special, especially to the Bain community. But it's also hard to get tickets for. They often sell out very quickly, and so there's a limited number of people who can have this experience in person. So today, we're bringing you a discussion with some of the folks who attended Liberty Con this year about what makes the con so special, their experiences there, and some interesting con stories. DJ Butler facilitated the conversation, and he was joined by Griffin Barber, Robert E. Hampson, Marissa Wolf, Sean Patrick Hazlett, and Mona Lisa Foster. So if you've never been to a Liberty Con, or if you have, you're going to want to give this podcast a listen or a watch. But first, the news. It's the Hot as July John Ringo's ebook sale. It's the middle of summer and the mercury is rising and John Ringo's Live Free or Die is back in trade paperback. So this month we're offering up scorching hot deals on Ringo's blazing backlist titles. Through the end of July, get John Ringo's entire back catalog in a special discount ebooks bundle. Save over $50 off list price when you purchase the bundle or get $1 off individual titles to round out your collection. These prices are good through the end of the month and are valid wherever Bain eBooks are sold, though the one-click bundles are available only through Bain.com. For a complete list of the titles, head on over to the website. And that's it for the news. Welcome, uh... Bain Free Radio Hour listeners, I am DJ Dave Butler, and I'm here with uh, a uh, a plethora, a horde of Bain authors, uh, short stories, novels, editors, um, all all the above, um, and we're here to talk to you about uh, LibertyCon. And uh, so, so rather than do kind of the conventional introduction with uh, most recent, uh, you know, what's what's your book out now, Fred? Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna introduce ourselves in the context of LibertyCon. Hey, how did I come to get there? What's a what's a, a fun anecdote about me and LibertyCon, uh, et cetera, et cetera? And then just we'll see what ha- comes out of the conversation. Um, so, Marisa, I didn't actually warn anybody who'd be coming first, um, uh, but but in my heart, I knew all along, Marisa, it was gonna have to be you. Um, so yeah, uh, I tried to leave and come back. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to prejudice what story you tell us about Liberty Con, but you've had kind of an exciting Liberty Con just this last month. But but uh, but tell us about you and Liberty Con. Yeah, um, cut in if I if I cut out my Wi-Fi is being a giant jerk right now. Um, so Liberty Con started for me in 2017 when my awesome friend Casey Izell said, "Hey Marisa, you should go to Liberty Con." Um, and and they did because when did not get any of that. 
Dang. I, mean, I don't listen to know a lot of people, but I listen to her. Uh, speaker host time. Oh, fuck. No. So Can Casey anyone invited me? you. We no. got that Casey invited I'm, you. Casey invited me. That's fine. I'm going to leave and come back again, and you guys can talk about me while I'm gone, and we'll see All right. if that works. We'll, oh, we'll talk about you when you're gone. And... Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Love you. Yeah, now you hear me. All right, I'll be back. It's true. You sound fine now. Sorry. Oh, shit. Of course. Like, like for real, should I just stay? Uh, as soon as you started cursing, okay. it was like... Well, try. Yeah, try cursing a lot more. That probably works really well. That'll make the... We've never heard that before. The Chinese will focus on you. We must catch this. That's right. <laughs> it's the story, the story of my life. The more she, she's not I cursing, curse, the more we're like, oh, Marisa, we should... <laughs> Fuck, I'm going to leave. I'll be back. Okay, bye. Okay. All right, Griffin, you want to introduce yourself, talk about Liberty Con a little bit? Sure. I'm Griffin Barber. Uh, I'm science fiction fantasy author, uh, written a lot of short stories for different uh, anthologies, uh, both for Bain and other uh, publishers. Uh, I have a couple novels out. Uh, but Liberty Con started for me, I think, 2016 or 2015. I mean, it might have been earlier than that, but uh, I went and uh, uh, I've I basically said I was going to only going to go once I was a professional. Uh, and then it's also an added bonus for me because my parents retired about an hour outside of Chattanooga where it's held annually. Um, so I was able to kind of combine uh, visits and as it's around the 4th of July weekend, it's a whole thing for me. So I have lots of really, really cool memories of, you know, both Liberty Con and my family setting off fireworks and all that kind of stuff. So uh, for me, it's been really exceptional. It's um, I've had a lot of good times. Uh, Marisa was uh, uh, I met her. I met Casey there. Casey is a co-author of mine for Second Chance Angel uh, and a number of other a uh, couple of other short stories that we've written together. Uh, so it's a it's a great opportunity to network. I met Robert there for the first time. I believe I met Mona Lisa there, though I may be wrong about that. Uh, and I certainly met you there uh dave um although i think we might have been around each other at a world fantasy at one point or something or something might have been yeah uh -huh. certainly playing delta green with you uh is one of is one of my fond memories of liberty con something yeah. that I wish, I wish we did more of and it seems like i've missed the last couple of years uh, well we it, it didn't happen this year because uh, you know with larry being guest of honor and uh everybody else kind of having all these obligations it was i was like uh unless somebody like yells at me to bring the stuff i'm not gonna tote the tote the books etc so that's one of the things i i you know it's rare that you get to hang out with and talk to uh luminaries in any field but uh military science fiction dave drake used to go uh religiously to to liberty con so got to hang out with him and then uh john ringo has, has, has been there many many times uh, and he's local to it. Uh, so there's a lot of different folks you can meet, but Steve Jackson, Steve Jackson games, hanging out with him, talking to him uh, and uh, playing games with the only guy left standing who's still an independent business from the gaming when that I started when I was 10. You know, the, everybody else has been bought up by somebody or bought up multiple times. And here's, as far as I know, he, there's the only one or they're publicly traded like Games Workshop. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, uh, one lots of, of experience. My, one of my personal highlights from this this year, from like three weeks ago or whatever it was, my daughter and I were at the coffee, the coffee clatch, cafe clatch. I'm never quite sure how to say that. And uh, Steve Jackson just sat down next to us and she had no idea. And I said, so Isabel, 
this guy right here is the the designer and publisher of Munchkin. And like yeah. then she got all excited, right? Because like right. that's because yeah, who's dad, right? Right. <laughs> right. And it was just super casual. It's just like one of those things that happens at Liberty Con, you know. Yeah, totally. Um uh, that, that was that was the thing. So and again, it's it's always such a uh, a very kind, polite uh collective community that everybody's kind of into everybody else's stuff was uh, showing common interest and uh, and enjoyment of the of the genre and of the games and uh, of each other you know we all get along it seems like so it's yeah. a it's a pretty neat venue yeah Mona Lisa, I think that you uh, also I you and I also met the first time at Liberty Con but in addition to meeting me what are some of your best memories? Uh, what What are good stories you have to share about uh, about the event? I started uh, going there about 2017. I had um, I had entered in the, the Bain uh, uh, Hard Science Fiction Contest, the Jim Bain Memorial uh, Contest, and apparently I made it into the top 20 that year. So Bill Ledbetter said, "Have you ever heard of Liberty Con?" And I'm like. No, and then you know, I'm on the internet looking for it. I'm like, oh, okay. So my husband and I decided we're going to try this convention thing out. We'd only been to one other, uh, one or two other science fiction conventions over the previous 20 years, and we decided to go. And I met all of these wonderful people, including yourself and everybody on this panel, and people who've just become really good friends and, uh, uh, you know, both fans and authors and and, and editors. And it's it's kind of weird because I write science fiction, but um, they, they have everything. So even though, you know, you don't have to be just a science fiction writer or a science fiction reader, you can be into all of these other things and they have something for it, whether you're into costuming or, or you're into gaming or, or whatever, they've got it. And it's a very small con with just a lot of oomph packed into it. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um... Rob, tell us uh, about about your introduction to Liberty Con. How did you how did you start coming out? You know, y'all make me feel old here because my first Liberty Con was 2008, oh. and I had been corresponding with John Ringo. I'd actually uh, become one of his technical advisors. Uh, I'm Rob Hampson. I am a scientist as well as science fiction author. And my introduction to LibertyCon was because John said, hey, if you want to come to a convention, I'd actually been trying to get together and actually meet him face to face. We corresponded. He said, you ought to come to LibertyCon. It's a nice little relaxicon. You know, it's it's low pressure, low tempo. And Marisa's laughing because she knows exactly, you know, that for some of us, it's not it's not low tempo anymore. Uh, but I then did, in fact, uh, meet John Ringo at a local con and he was setting up something in particular uh, a fun little project that involved uh, taking video of something that he was mocking uh, creating a movie out of one of his books and so I said look I've got cameras I've got mics I've got all sorts of stuff we can do a multi-camera we can play this so he he said, well, come to Liberty Con. He said, by the way, if you have to justify it, we have something called the Mad Scientist Roundtable. And so I went and I was introduced to the Mad Scientist Roundtable. 
where I found that there are actually scientists, real scientists writing science fiction, and there are real science fans, not just science fiction fans, but science fans. And it was a great community. As, uh, as Griff says, we really do have, uh, it, it, it's a great big family reunion is what it is. And it's an awful lot of fun. I've been going there continuously since 2008. And I wouldn't dream of doing anything else. Now, the thing about it is, is I got to meet the founder, uh, Uncle Timmy, Tim Bolgio. And he and I had actually been at another spinoff scientific-based meeting together where we were very badly behaved because we were cutting up and telling jokes with each other in the audience and distracting Tony Weisskopf while we were at it. Um, and he got to know me and I got a call one day saying, we'd like you to be our scientist guest of honor in 2015. And in 2014, he, uh, he's running around our convention center, uh, hotel venue, the Chattanooga Choo Choo at the time, he's running around in a golf cart. And the golf cart was to get Timmy around, but what he did was he gave people rides back and forth between the convention center and their hotels uh, because there it was a good-sized campus. And he's passing me going the wrong direction. I'm headed over to the convention center. I've got a panel coming. He says, Rob, hop on. I said, you're going the other direction. He says, doesn't matter. Hop on. I got to talk to you. And so he was delivering somebody to the room, and then we're, we were heading back. And that was when he talked to me about, you know, going to this convention, being there as a scientist, which was, you know, uh, to me, absolutely unheard of. I had I had done some science fiction fan activities about 25 years prior. And I go, you, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give my own name at the time. I used pen name and stuck with it. And he says, no, 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 you're here as a scientist. We want you as a scientist. Uh, so I've been going as both a scientist and then recently a science fiction author. It's just absolutely awesome. Yeah. This is kind of to the point of what Mona Lisa was saying. Like there, you can go there for science fiction and for fantasy books, but also for like the costuming and the pageantry. And Mona Lisa, I think the first year I... No, it wasn't the first year I went. It, it might have been the second. The first year we were in the Marriott, you did like a military parade kind of presentation in Tom when in Tom Kratman's um, uh, what's what's the name of the universe? Uh, Pereraverse. Pereraverse. Yeah, right? we, we all, we all right? dressed up as the Amazon Legion and prevented him, presented him with the flag. That was awesome. So there's that piece of it, right? But then interestingly, there's there's the there's a surprising amount of actual hard science. May, maybe this has to do with sort of the proximity to Huntsville um, or just kind of the culture, even like the personal family culture of people like Tim Boljo or Tony Weisskopf. But I, but I like to tell people, it's kind of like a, a family reunion of like a big hillbilly family that's got a whole bunch of people who have been in special forces and a whole bunch who are actual rocket scientists. And right uh so okay um awesome marisa you're you're back let's try your audio again Ma marisa has to use interpretive dance and sign language 
I'm very sorry for all of you. I have no rhythm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like you called on me to go first and I pulled the old like um, except it was my internet. Um, yeah, so Liberty Con, I went because Casey Zell told me to. Um, and she's one of the only people who can tell me what to do and I will listen. Um, so I went in 2017. And she was so right, and it was so amazing. And it's the highlight of, it's one of the highlights of my year every year. Um, Brandy and her crew just run an amazing show, and I get to be a nerd for a weekend. And now I get to be a professional nerd, which is pretty cool. Because um, I went from being like full on fan um, to like having a, like a short story, I think at my second Liberty Con, to having a couple of co written novels, um, to having my very own novel coming out. And I got to see the, whole cover for the very first time at this Liberty Con. Um, and so that, it feels like a really nice, uh, really fun progression of, of getting to grow every year, so. Yeah. Mona Lisa, was this, was this last con the first time you'd seen your cover too, or the whole thing put together? Uh, no, I, we had done the same thing, the, uh, pre the same, essentially the same presentation at Fantasy in March. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, and, but and, yeah, yeah, it was, Liberty Con was a little bit more intense than Fantasy. Yeah, and like I, I was—I can't remember who I was telling. It might have been Rabbit Boyd. I said, uh, "I said, look, uh, it's a, like the the Bain Road Show, like the 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 archetype of Bain Road shows is not the one at Dragon Con. It's the one at Liberty Con, right? Where it's wall to wall to wall to wall, and it yeah. it, it runs an hour and forty minutes, right?" Uh, that's, yeah. I'm sorry, that's conservative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, with a lot of energy, right? And people yeah. are, people are, people are, are bought into the jokes and the culture and, you know. Yeah, uh, Tony calls it sprinting a marathon. That's what she told me. She said, that checks out. She's, she calls it a marathon sprint to get through it all. Yeah, no yeah. lies detected. <laughs> mm -mm, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. You you might describe that might be a good way to describe Tony's experience of Liberty Con, by the way. I mean, one of the for for sort of Bane uh, readers and writers, particularly, right? Yeah. Liberty Con is geographically so so it's a, near the Fourth of July every year. It's held in Chattanooga. It used to be in the Choo Choo. Now it's in the downtown Marriott. Geographically, it's close enough to Tony Weisskopf that she's sort of the perpetual resident editor guest of honor right yeah. which means she's hyper scheduled so she's like on the one hand it's a good place to meet her on the other hand it's a terrible place to meet her <laughs> because yeah. everybody wants to <laughs> i definitely do that thing every time i see her where i'm like do you do you want me do you want me to call her like right. because i know that she'll wave off if she doesn't want me to and so right. i always do the like kind of like yes okay yes <laughs> no that's, okay no I'm that's kind of the <laughs> That's the kind of the perennial problem of any you know, guest of honor or, yeah. or MC is, is that, you know, because trying to talk to Chuck or Larry, uh, you know, at any time on these when they're going back and forth, oh they're gosh, they're yeah. super scheduled, <laughs> and they're yeah. also being mobbed by fans as they go. We should probably clarify. I'm I'm sure that the uh, the Bain Free Radio Hour folks know who Chuck and Larry are, but Charles E. Chuck Gannon and Larry Correa, and it's they're the names that you could drop 
in any given Liberty Con are incredible. For sure. But, yeah. That was the, the, I was talking about, we were, Dave was talking about gaming earlier and, and the, the whole reason why I set up the, the uh, Delta Green role-playing game was to have Dave Butler, Chuck Gannon, uh, Larry Correa, yeah. yeah, I can't remember, there's a couple other people, but Mike, yeah, Mike, Mike Massa, Massa, yeah, Mike oh, Massa, yeah. yeah. Just, just the cool so, guys, it's fine. Yeah, just yeah. drop a few names on, on folks and, and talk about playing, uh, uh, you know, silly games together for a while. It's pretty fun, like role playing sort of a commando scenario with like actual commandos. And I'm like, yes, I follow him. Yeah. <laughs> I also do that do. with my gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, we have not got to you yet. That, that's that's just that's just time. Uh, last best of all. Tell us about your contact with uh, Liberty Con. So I was recruited to go to Liberty Con by the CIA. That's only partly true. I was recruited to go to, so T.C. McCarthy, who's a former, or Dr. T.C. McCarthy, who's a former CIA guy, uh, said, hey, you should you should go to this thing. So uh, last year was actually my first time, and it blew my mind. It was, having been to a number of other conferences, it's just much more relaxed. You can focus on things that are important you don't focus on things that make no sense. And, you know, it wasn't in China this year, like Worldcon was. Uh, <laughs> so well, that kind of went quiet really quick. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and and then just being, uh, you know, the highlight is, is being around people like Dave Butler. Uh, Rob, I, I wanted to meet with you. I was told to meet with you at some point by Sarah Hoyt, but I'm sure we'll have plenty, plenty of time for that. Griffin, I, I always see there. Uh, Marisa, I didn't get a chance to, to talk to you yet. And then Mona Lisa got a chance to see my unpolished, uh, non-public personality, which I think she enjoyed, although it probably scared her too. Anyway. Once LibertyCon programming gets their hooks into you, they don't let go. I think I had more programming this year than even the year I was a guest of honor. It's just, and I walked away from the convention loving it, having met and talked with an awful lot of people, but the list of people I didn't talk with is probably longer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, it, yeah. and it's also starting earlier. Like, you know, it, it's like Dragon That's Con now where, you know, Wednesday is the new Thursday or whatever. Which was the new Friday. Yeah. yeah it's everybody yeah. But starting. the key difference, the key difference between Liberty Con and Dragon Con is there aren't 30 billion people. And, you know, you're yeah. not sweating. And I've never been to Dragon Con for that reason, but I can imagine what it would be like. It's just, it's a much smaller, much more family friendly relaxing event but you can still get to do all sorts of good st cool stuff and and meet great people and the other thing that i, I want to reiterate something that um you know, someone else said about the mad scientist panel i went to my first mad scientist panel this year and you know there's nowhere else in the world where you'll you'd see some distinguished scientist talk about how ufos are just people you know photographing hubcaps and then travis taylor just eviscerating <laughs> Oh, that's was, it. That's awesome. I thought we were going to have a knockdown drag out. Uh, Mad Scientist actually earned its name this year. Um, 
uh, we had a few scientists mad or or engineers mad but yes it was and then there was there was some extensive extensive credentialism too as well like oh my institutions were more prestigious than your institute i mean it was everything everything you could possibly imagine was just thrown out there so that oh, was I, awesome. I had to throw in i had to throw in one of my own i did i did i threw i threw in one of my own just the well when i talked to so and so he said and i just i just had to counter the credentialism because <laughs> it was definitely being thrown around yeah i mean and the, you you get to talk to guys like les johnson you know nasa engineer and actively doing the stuff that we write about and writing about it magnificently uh you know just it, really cool and and again it's it's all about the like-minded folks that are interested in the future and how to make it better uh and, and you know not being mired and and talking about stuff that may be uh counterproductive to that end so yeah one of my favorite 100%. mad scientists um was the year that uh Larry Niven and Jerry Purnell were there mm. and participated in the Mad Science Roundtable. Uh, was absolutely fascinating because let's, let's just name drop a little bit, Robert. I know, it's so great. <laughs> but we're name dropping on behalf of LibertyCon. Yes, absolutely. That's right. And 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 it was just fantastic listening to them yeah. because the if you read some of the more personal writings of Niven and Purnell, they're talking about, oh, they went up to JPL and got a tour. They went to Caltech. They went to, to Stanford. They were visiting this laboratory at Oak Ridge and all these kind of things. And then these guys are there weighing in on science and science fiction and fantasy. This is the type of atmosphere that LibertyCon fosters. And it may be a change in generation, you know, handing down, passing on the torch. But the I hope that readers of the future are going to see some of these names of folks we're talking about and look on them the same way. I really do. Well, that, that was one of the things that got me in this late, latest iteration of, of LibertyCon is my, my uh, brother was former uh, U.S. Army paratrooper, et cetera. Uh, I didn't serve myself, but uh, one of the things that came up was I lived overseas quite a bit, uh, had uh, Russian friends, et cetera, but uh, before the wall came down even. Um, but the, you know, so while we're there, we have the this insurrection that happens uh, amongst the troops or the, the uh, and it was like a scenario out of uh, David Drake, you know, hammer slammers rolling hot. They're going to go, you know, what you don't want to give us what we need you're going to try and attack us we're going to go uh, roll back into the capital and displace you didn't turn out that way but one of the fascinating things about that was is that i could turn to the marine colonel or i could turn to the the army colonel i could talk to the seal <laughs> you know you there's there's rarely in a civilian life uh, or the war gamers or, or the, war war, gamers. Got yeah. the professional war gamers yeah yeah there's the professional war gamers and the think tank folks uh, the DARPA folks, you know, all that kind of stuff. You could just turn to turn to them and go, well, what do you think? What's Instead happening? of just, yeah. you know, internet rando. <laughs> and then they give you Not this anonymous look. Twitter. They give you this look. They go, no, I can't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or they, or they give you, they give you the toned down version of what they can talk about. And it's pretty, it was pretty fascinating to kind of look at this real time and get this assessment from professionals in the field. So again, that's something you can't, you can't get elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, 
and everybody gets along, even though they might be Army or Marine or <laughs> Navy. That was fun. When, uh, uh, when Chuck was the MC, Chuck Gannon, Charles E. Gannon was the uh, the MC. Uh, Might have been 2019 or something, pretty recently, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, in his remarks, he asked people to raise their hands if they were, and he had this long list, right? And, you know, are, yeah. you're if you're active duty, if you're yeah, you know, if you're reserves, if you are a contractor for the government, if you are a contractor for the government and you can't tell us what you do, <laughs> people's hands were going yeah, up. That was real, right? yeah. In the audience. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and again, it's just a, it's a unique experience. Uh, and it, it sells out every year within a few hours now. Uh, yeah. just, and they keep it intimate by keeping the numbers down. Uh, as Sean was talking about, it's not the the chaos, the, the sublime chaos that Dragon Con is. Uh, yeah. uh, and it's uh, the ratio of pros to uh, to fans and those that are on their the stepping stones to becoming pros from fandom uh, are uh, very frequent. It's a lot of crossover kind of stuff, just like you're saying. And, and raise your hand if, and you get all these folks uh, but yeah, Air Force, everybody was represented. I don't, I, I think there's even a couple of coasty, coasties too. So yeah, we've got at least one Space Force person. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even remember that. That's how, again, showing how old I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and people with NASA or other era. Yeah. In air oh yeah. Private a lot of NASA folks. Is the whole, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So this family kind of aspect, like a, there is actually a family that, that drives Liberty Con that kind of mm -hmm. is right. So Tim Bolgio, by the way, the, Tim is how I got invited to Liberty Con. I was at WorldCon, right, in uh Kansas City. So whatever year that was, 2015 or something, maybe 2016. Yeah. And I was uh was walking along and seeing the sort of WorldCon audience that you see, right? And and this guy out of the out of my beyond my peripheral vision says, Hey, you're DJ Butler. And I, you know. I stopped and and there's this guy in overalls and like first of all he totally had my attention from that moment because you know people are like with the funky blue hair with the fuchsia streak or they're like you know and this guy looks like he's a farmer then he goes uh he says he says you're DJ Butler you, you got a book coming out from Bain next year I said how do you know that and and he said uh he said well I know things uh listen you really ought to come to Liberty Con and I talked to him for a couple minutes and he, he wound up saying, just tell him Uncle Timmy sent me, right? Yeah. With a sly look. It was always kind of like. Right. <laughs> right. And he's sitting there playing hearts or something at a table four, right? So, and, and that was Tim Bolgio, the founder. And, and Tim passed a couple of years ago. Uh, his daughter, Brandy, and was Brandy Bolgio, is it Hendren? Hendren. Bolgio Hendren now, yeah. Yeah, recently married. Um, and now Brandy runs it, right? And she basically grew up with the con, probably a, give or take a few years, is probably about the same age. Uh, mm -hmm. And and so it literally is a family thing. And then there is this this aspect where attendance is capped, right? Which was which was never a problem until again about something like 2019. Uh, and, and well, so and first of all, if you get in, they reserve a ticket for you next year, right? So like that's kind of a family thing too right like once you're in you're in do and they? Then, 
and then the tickets that are I, I didn't know that what? they did that. But... I think well, they do that it, if you've been a guest of honor. Oh, maybe yeah. that's it. Fancy okay, people. maybe I just spoke out of fancy school. folks. Yeah, yeah. That's for me. I okay, have to go I don't know. In the, in the pit. Get <laughs> I'll my take ticket. that back. Of Shari Rod, edit that bit out. Sorry. So, um, <laughs> let me let me retract that piece since <laughs> you guys are not on the list. <clears throat> so, um, but but the ca capping, it's interesting, right? And was never a problem until a few years ago when there was one morning when tickets went on sale at 6 a.m. and by 6.29 they were sold out, yeah. right? And, and somehow, and it had never been that way before. It had been like, oh, they go on sale in July and in October they'll sell out or something, yeah. right? That and was the day of weeping. That was the day of <laughs> There weeping. was gnashing of teeth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I don't know the history of that, right? Maybe some of that is it was sort of post-sad puppies and people were trying to find a place to go that was less like political or maybe that's it. But, uh, but the result is the cons stay small. You see a lot of the same people and like literally it's the same staff and the same family running it. Well, and, and yet though, if you look at this, this group, we got, Sean, did you say it was your first one or your second one this time? Second one. Second one. So two, the only two years back, Maurice, uh, Mona Lisa was how many, five years? Yeah, 2017. So, so yeah. six years then, or five years of actual cons. Yeah. Right. And Marisa about the same, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And I've got, I can't remember. I I think it was, I know it was at the choo-choo and I think it was like 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was it was the year Black Tide Rising came out, the anthology. So I think it was 14, 13. 15, 13? Oh, the anthology was 14. Yeah. Yeah, 14. Okay. So yeah, there we go. So yeah, and and so it's very welcoming of new people, but you gotta get in. You know, yeah. you, gotta, yeah. you gotta get in. So uh, but I I, you know, of, of the cons that I was I was always religiously going to world fantasy. Uh, I went to World Con too many times uh, and I went to Dragon Con my first time. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going back to World Con anymore. <laughs> um, and it was just because the the fan experience is so much younger, so much more vital yeah. and inclusive. And inclusive. Yeah. They really want to have everybody there. They want to have a good time. And Liberty Con is that same atmosphere, except that. And again, it should be mentioned that the, all the proceeds from the con go to uh, go to charity mm -hmm. uh, at Liberty Con, uh, and it's changes. They kind of have a rotation because they want to give to as many people as possible. They also have the blood drive there uh, to, and they've given. I can't even recall how much. And then they'll have uh, the charity auction and charity. Uh, I think there's part of that is the art show. But like this year, uh, Larry uh, Larry's gritty cop show. Which, yeah. despite Five being grand. a despite being a twenty year veteran, I've never been invited to. I don't oh, know. Why. You should bid on it. Griffin. I'm not bitter. Oh yeah, that's probably it. I'm not. I'm not charitable enough. That's but yeah, it. it uh, they they got nearly five thousand dollars, and it was sold in minutes. Like they, the all five seats were gone in in minutes. Yeah. So these the are these are, these are seats at a at a tabletop role playing game. Yeah, for like yeah. two hours of fun. And right. they they yeah. shelled out uh, nearly five grand for yeah uh, for their fun when, time with uh, Larry. When we talk about the family nature, it's worth saying that there are many people who run their own science fiction conventions that come to Liberty Con to have fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and some of them even volunteer with the staff, but they they really do. They're coming there to have their own fun and to play and see all of their friends and they run their own cons yeah 
and they come to Liberty Con because it's you know it it's it's family. Yeah. Yeah. I can have fun. Oh, go ahead. No, please. Just say, I could have fun anywhere at Liberty Con, like in the lobby, in the bar, in a random room, in the little cubby behind the elevators, in an elevator, like on the escalator on the way to the convention center. Like everybody is so welcoming and so wonderful. And people I don't know are still so welcoming and friendly. Like I saw a ton of people looking for people with a first timer badge so that they could make a point to introduce themselves. Um, that's amazing. That's amazing. That doesn't happen at every con. Right. One of the things, Griff, I think you were maybe alluding to is Liberty Con, like Dragon Con, like World Con and World Fantasy, is a um, is a con where business can get done. It's a professional's yeah. con, right? Like it's it's not a. There are cosplayers. Mona Lisa is, I think, one of the very prominent cosplayers. I've seen Mona Lisa in very cool samurai gear. Uh, not so much recently, though. She's she's. She's going to that author She's teaching classes, hard. man. Yeah. This is a good time for her to pull out the tiara. <laughs> <All right>. No <laughs> comments. <laughs> he it. meant katana. Yeah. yeah. Mm. No, those are back there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, but this is a place where you can meet with your editor and where, you, where <laughs> book publishing contracts sometimes, in fact, do get signed, right? And where uh an, an an editor of an anthology will say hey listen i'm trying to fill one more slot and you seem like an interesting person how do you feel about writing a story about a yeah. world war in china with some kind of strange element uh right uh um yeah well no, that that that's how casey and i met for two reasons number one she uh, she was on the black tide rising anthology and i i had uh talked to john about doing that and never came around but the uh after talking at something uh casey's like hey uh, we're standing around having a drink or two uh, or i am and others are uh and casey's like hey you're griffin right i'm like yeah she's like i'd pay you to, to just talk to me read from the phone book <laughs> right right i have this face for radio and which includes a voice that's sometimes uh useful but um she, you know, and when and talking to her, she was talking about doing different anthologies and stuff like that. And she was really excited about an idea she had for an anthology, which was uh, doing a noir anthology and uh, femme fatale anthology. And so, but she knew that on her own, she probably didn't have the name to pull the, the major talent that she would need to, to make it a viable anthology to sell really well. So she's like, I, I, you know, Larry's got this huge, cool idea about you know, the Grim Noir series, and I know he's really into noir, so I'm going to hit him up. And she's chatting with different people about this idea, and everybody's like, yeah, go, Casey, go. <laughs> and she's always like a consummate networker. She's always like, you two should meet. She's like, I think you and Mike Massa will get along swimmingly. And yeah, Mike Massa and I are really good friends now, uh, and, and uh, that kind of thing. I mean, and some people end up working with her as well, just on, on, on stories, which I did as well. But the 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 ability <laughs> to connect with folks, yeah, I think at least two out of the three here, uh, or three out of the five uh, five authors. Um, we don't do so, math this time. Yeah, and, and then uh, Mona Lisa does math. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah, there was uh, there's always a, a, an opportunity, but you don't have to be. You're not feeling pressured to do it, you know. 
mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the cool things is it's not like it's all pros and they're going to look at you funny for for being a fanish having a fanish moment uh, that kind of thing I mean I I, uh, I really have always enjoyed David Drake's work and being able to hang out with him I'd met him at a world fantasy a couple of times and but to see him kind of in his element at, at uh, Liberty Con was really uh, very refreshing for me and I believe for him too because it's like uh, Robert was saying, it's kind of a relaxicon. It is, at least they can let their hair down. They don't have to be on guard to, to, all the time and, uh, you know, worried about, worried over much about fan interactions that might, uh, you know, be weird or something like that because it is yeah. a smaller uh, convention. So yeah. lots of fun to be had. And again, always for a good reason. You know, the, 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 the fact that they've given away so much money to charity, uh, just as huge for me i think it's really really neat yeah mona lisa i feel like we haven't heard enough from you have you have you <laughs> saved up a good story to tell here um i think i think everybody that um i ended up working with either in an anthology or or some other way um that led up to me actually finishing a book that Tony was willing to, to look at and buy occurred because I went either to Liberty Con or one of these other cons. So I highly recommend it for anybody that is uh, thinking about becoming an author uh, because the networking really is invaluable. And like they said, it's fun. You, you can do all sorts of hobby related stuff like, you know, that doesn't have to be with the professional aspect of it. But I think one of the reasons that the professional aspect of it does work is because you have all of these hobbies in common yes absolutely mm-hmm. yeah yeah and everybody the common love is what's bringing us together anyway it's about everybody loving the the genre and and uh, yeah. the works that are included in that yeah there's an awful Go ahead, there's Rob. an awful lot of paying it forward going on as well i've had many talks with authors who have given me advice uh, I had somebody come up to me and hand me a copy signed of their first sale because they had come to me and asked for stuff about it. And and I had given some critique and some advice. And the next thing I know, I'm getting an email that says, I sold it, I sold it, I sold it. And then he was in front of me at LibertyCon saying, here, this is for you. And it's just the the overall interactions are incredible just being able to do that with somebody and you know and and again it's figuratively uh sitting at the feet of the people who shaped us and listening just sitting there listening because there there's some there's some particular old timers that just that they hold court no matter what yeah. and and it and nobody minds because you're just sitting there listening and learning. And then you meet people like Dave Butler and I'm, you know, I, I met you as Dave. And then I think I came up to you at Liberty Con last year or the year before. I said, wait a minute. You're DJ Butler. That's awesome. You wrote Rock Band Fights Evil. And he goes, well, yeah. And I go, that was like the first book I read on Kindle <laughs> and, and just great stuff like meeting, meeting people 
and yeah fanboy moments yeah <laughs> uh, still fanboy moments going on all the time yeah yeah and uh uh sometimes people will sort of refer to it tongue-in-cheek and i think this is because as i said earlier tony lives so close and is basically there every year so people will sometimes call it you know bane con or or yeah and, and that's something i never really got because when you know when i started was the rise of chris kennedy and uh you know right. that kind of stuff they, they were starting to really have a lot of pull and and bring a lot of folks in uh so i and i it, it, it may be being calm or what you know being caught but it it really is more much more inclusive than that especially on the indie side there's so yeah. many uh indie folks and hybrid authors and uh because i believe that uh mona lisa you were you're a hybrid too right right so i have some stuff that's self-published and some stuff right. that is traditionally published and that's in case anyone doesn't know what that means <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm not for a plan yeah inside baseball there <laughs> this <yeah>. time yeah <laughs> But also people like Steve Jackson, right? And also yeah. people like, yeah. you know, uh, Kevin Anderson or Mike Stackpole or people who show up. And I think she had to cancel. Timothy Zahn. Yeah. yeah, Tim Zahn was there this year. Uh, Shannon McGuire, a year before this one, was supposed to be the guest right. of honor. I think she I think like COVID. COVID or something. Yeah. Right? Uh, but like, it's, it's, it's um, yeah, it's got, a, it's Bane rich. Uh, it's not Bane exclusive. Mm -hmm. no right uh in in any sense yeah, well and it's especially for people who love sci-fi and fantasy like it's yeah. yeah especially in light of the science track that is so robust that you know it brings on all these folks that uh, you know again the same kind of thing like with the russia situation i mean i i was kind of hoping that they would have made that fda announcement about the chicken the vat grown chicken i wish they would have made that prior they were there. so i could have hit somebody up about hey what's this going to be about because that's straight out of uh you know any spaceship thing uh, mm -hmm. you know voyage of the star wolf you know the, the <laughs> they have the vat grown everything mm -hmm. kind of thing and it uh watching 60 minutes the other night they literally walked right through that you know they did the whole thing about vat grown chicken and it's been fda approved so yeah the, the such a robust science program you know it's it makes it uh very very multifaceted yeah and you get all just to add like, just to add to that point and i'm going to sound crazy because this has not really been well disseminated throughout traditional media streams travis taylor was there discussing uaps about you know two or three weeks after a dod whistleblower came out and alleged that the u.s government had a crash retrieval program and bodies so like you know, Travis Taylor was there fielding questions on on that, you know, on that very topic. So just to, you know, like I said, Griffin, you're yep. spot on with that point. Yeah. Yeah. And we also get things like the no shit there I was panel, right? Was, <laughs> which the late night panel. Where I, I don't know what there. you're talking about, man. Never been there. <laughs> okay. Where uh -huh. first responders and, and, and veterans, military people basically tell you know, borderline tall tales drawn out of their experience, right? No, yeah, that's they're they're entirely right. tall. Yeah, no, we're super facts, made up. None of it's no true. facts involved. Yeah. Names have not been changed because they never existed. Resemblance to anybody living or dead, purely coincidental. No, no yeah. never, never seen crack of the crack or yeah. brown meets blue. None of that stuff's ever happened. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you, or you see sometimes uh, organized groups going out to the shooting range. 
before before the con on a Saturday morning or you know so so this is a, yeah so there's a this is a pretty diverse range of stuff I heard there was a panel of sailors tell sea stories oh yeah yeah and I missed it I would have loved to have heard it because I learned after the fact that between panel and audience five guys looked at each other and said you were on submarines i was on submarines and in fact three people were on the same submarine at the same time out, yeah. wow <laughs> that's fun the small world um well listen any let's let's do this let's uh how about this let's go around and give like a tip like if you're if you you in the audience are thinking about attending liberty con for the first time what's a what's a, what's a tip you would give someone uh and uh and and let's see so let's see who's been going the longest uh rob yeah. like yeah. 2008 rob if you had to give like one liberty con tip to a newbie what would you say if you try and get a ticket and you don't get it then immediately email and get on the waiting list because having to reserve a ticket a membership a year in advance, so many things happen that I think about 10% or more, maybe even as many as, as much as 15% of those people find out they can't go. Right. And so get on that waiting list because uh, you actually stand a pretty decent chance of get, being able to go. So I think they cycled you, all the way through this year, right? Like I think everyone on the waiting list up to a certain point got in. It's yeah, literally how well. I get in every year. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 We're on the West Coast out here, so it's a little difficult to mm. to get up at, at crack of dawn and and get on there and take care of it. Four in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome, speaker. That's a great tip. All right, Mona Lisa. How about you? What's what's your what's a tip you want to share with people who might attend? Uh, pace yourself. Um, it. One of the big complaints I hear from everybody is that I want to go to all of these panels and they're all on at the same time. So if you if you cannot pace yourself, figure out how to clone yourself mm. <laughs> or get together with a friend and have go to separate uh, uh, <laughs> separate panels and then compare notes. Because I still even went into this. It's like, I wish I was three people. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Call now. Cloning vats are waiting. <laughs> Yeah, I knew Rob would get right on that. <laughs> He's the guy to talk to for sure. Sean, what do you think? Suggestions? So I want to echo that first suggestion because that's literally how I get in every year. And I mentioned this earlier, but definitely attend the Mad Scientist panel. I didn't know about it my first year, and then this year I went and attended, and it's it's awesome. So I highly, highly recommend it. Also, in terms of, you know, you don't have to attend everything. You can, it's also a good relaxing con, you know, late at night, get a drink, uh, sit down, and you'll be surprised the people you meet and you can sit down with and, and they will talk to you because it's such a small con. It's, it's just, you know, there's not, unless you're, unless you're trying to get to Tony Weisskopf, which I kind of just know it's a given. You just <laughs> oh. she will summon you if she if she has time for you. Otherwise, you know, give her some space. But uh, it, it also, you get free pizza from 
Dave Butler as as I did some free oh, wow. uh, pizza. Nice. pizza. Nice. So uh, highly recommend you hang around Dave Butler because you might get some some yep. free stuff uh, if 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 somebody you know if the wind or the skinwalker doesn't blow a chair oh. into the fire at you. But uh, yeah. that's a separate story. <laughs> but so much, so many secrets. Uh, yeah, Sean and I went to skin went went right next to Skinwalker Ranch. I went camping and uh, either there's two possible explanations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Either in the middle of the night, a skinwalker destroyed, destroyed our camp chair with lasers or yeah. possibly it got blown into the fire. We don't know which one. One of those two things <laughs> seems to have happened. <laughs> lasers does seem more likely. I mean, but the lasers or the yeah. wind did not blow the chair in your direction, Dave. Well, the chair in my direction. <laughs> I, it's clean living, Sean. I just the power of my clean living repelled the chair. <laughs> uh, Marisa, have you got a tip? What tip have you got to share with prospective attendees? Yeah. So if you're going because you want to network and meet people, think about one your energy, um, and and if you need like a buddy. Like I am very awkward by myself, but with a friend. I can, I can chat. I can have a good time. It's gonna be great. Like if I had just like tried to go up and meet Griffin Barber, it would have been a shit show. But because Casey introduced us, we made jokes until like three in the morning and it was great. So like I, you might need a friend, you might need to be on your own, but think about how your energy works. And when networking, sometimes just let the moment happen. I, I feel like when you try to force it, it gets real uncomfortable um and like everyone's been saying it's a really chill con like you might be really busy if you're speaker um and, because he is very in demand um but it, it's chill people want to chill they don't they want to be on all the time they want to relax and so like just go and listen to the stories like like speaker and griffin were saying like some folks will just like have a seat and people will kind of gather around sometimes literally yep. at their feet and to listen yep. to their stories just listen it mm -hmm. doesn't you don't have to make a huge impression to get started and getting that networking. I don't think I did in 2017 and I wasn't trying to, I was just there and realizing, oh my God, I love this. And when you are somewhere that you love, that energy tends to be infectious and that makes it much easier to meet people and network and do the kinds of things you want to do because you're happy to be there. So people are happy to be around you. Um, so that's what I would say. Go have your goals, but think about how you want to show up around it with people. Fantastic. Griffin, a piece of advice. So the the it's kind of additive to what Marisa was saying is, and it's the more you love a particular producer of content, the less you should say "I love you," because mm -hmm. it is hard when approached by a stranger to be told "I love you," and then mm -hmm. have to have a regular conversation with that individual thereafter. So you can often see it you almost always see it at a, at a convention but liberty con in particular you'll see someone there going and you can tell that they are containing their love yeah. like it's a thermonuclear reaction inside of them they're just but they're doing it and everybody appreciates that uh, and you are likely more much more likely to have a longer more valuable conversation or to be able to ear hustle on a valuable conversation that you'll treasure forever if you contain that initial desire to say i love you you know i love you i love your work it's it's hard to when a stranger says that to you it's kind of hard to go okay yeah cool man and not want to move on 
you know, as quickly as possible because stranger just said they loved me. Yeah. Like real strong. Can I add something real quick there, Dish? Yeah, of course. So Dragon Con and Liberty Con are two of my favorite things all year. Um, my very first time at Dragon Con, I met Anne McCaffrey. And I was that person. Um, so one, she hit me with her scooter. It was amazing. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, and two, I froze. <laughs> I was 24. I was very, my God, I was vibrating. Um, and at that point, Anne McCaffrey was Anne McCaffrey. She was quite used to fangirls. And so she put me to work. She was like, you, go get me some water. And I was like, oh, yes, ma'am. Like, I think I said maybe two words to her the whole time. But like, I sat at her feet at the panel. She sent me to do errands for her. It was amazing. But if I had been allowed to speak to her, it would have been the worst. Like, Because I think at the end, I was able to say like, thank you so much. I love Pern. You're wonderful. And she's like, I know. Like, I seriously said, I love you. And she said, I know. Like, that is one of my best moments in the history of time. Um, but had I, had I vomited the word vomit of love, I wouldn't have had that experience. So sometimes freezing is okay. You can freeze and listen. The ear yeah. is and, and it's appreciated even, you know, not even necessarily okay, but it's appreciated because again, you're not making things awkward for the others in the audience who didn't say, I love you mm. right away <laughs> kind of thing. So that's, Vibrate with that's, your joy. that's funny. That suggests conversely that if, if you're going there as a professional, have a practiced response for when, Correct. The first when somebody time. freezes, right? Whatever it is, ready. just be, be ready. Oh, this is it. Thank you very yes. much. You're so kind. This is the moment. Yes. What do you do? You know, whatever it is, just don't, right. don't look even run over. But it, even, you know, one of my friends that uh, he, I got him into the convention this, this year. Uh, he uh, has, he and I have played Steve Jackson games for, you know, decades, literally decades. And he, uh, uh, he got to meet Steve Jackson and was like, he was, uh, he kept that in mind that, that what I had said to him, he's also a pretty cool cat, but he kept that in mind when I, what I was saying to him and he just talked about family stuff and he ended up having an hour, almost an hour long conversation with Steve Jackson because Steve wasn't, you know, in a mood to, at that moment to talk about games because he talks about games all the time. Mm -hmm. And he had this uh, grown up conversation and exchanged numbers with my buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. it, it's again the the cooler you can be and i don't mean this in like a cool kid sense but just let it happen let it happen yeah. it'll carry you there the especially moment. especially liberty con it will carry you there if you let it yeah, yeah. marisa's story reminded me of meeting uh meeting an author um with a similar name yes related uh but my sister was with me and had said i would like to meet such and such an author well we sat down and at dinner uh we're sitting at the same table and we just had a wonderful conversation without the uh oh i love your work i love your work and, and kind of stuff we just and and as a pro uh you know just sit and have a conversation goes so far wow. and afterward i said to my sister i said well what do you think you just sat at a table at an hour talking with this person you said you wanted to meet and she goes it was awesome well i learned from the host of the event later that this person said to the host you know i sat at dinner for an hour talking to a neuroscientist and it was really awesome and so you know one person's fan is another person's fan yeah. you know it goes both ways and 
And if if anybody wants to go to Liberty Con or any con as a as a pro, stay open to the fans that do come up to you or the people that want to talk to you that, you know, they, they you know, they may not know who you are yet. Uh, on the other hand, if you can go away from any given con, having met one more person, learned one more name and called that person by name, um, you will just absolutely make their day, make yeah. their con. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay. That's a great point. Yeah, the the and the other thing too is that we we didn't really talk about it or focus on it, but one of the other ways to get into uh, Liberty Con is as a subject matter expert. So not necessarily as a scientist, but if you have expertise in uh, you know weapons design, uh, metallurgy, uh, vampires, thirteenth century, whatever it is, it's likely that they'll be able to find a use for you. Uh, Rich Roller, especially as he's the programming director, he'll find some way to utilize your your particular areas of expertise. So, uh, you know, if you want to get on panels and you want to hang out with folks, but you also uh, want to contribute, uh, and they always need volunteers. Because again, the number, the number I think is one fifth of the people registered memberships were on at least one panel. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. That's a big tip, right? Just don't be a jerk. Yeah. Any yeah. con you go to, like one, you have no idea who you're talking to half of oh, the yeah. time. Um, and they could be your next super fan or they could be somebody that you actually read and you're obsessed with and you don't even, you don't know what they look like. Um, like you Or they could or an be editor person. who's sitting on your manuscript. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that has happened. That, yes. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like you never know. Just, I mean, it's a good rule of thumb for the world that I feel like people are forgetting, but yeah. don't be a jerk because- I- I ended up sitting down at a table and found out that the editor had my manuscript one time. Yeah, that was, that's awesome. That's, that's a very cool feeling. I just think about like, I don't know, like the first time I met just about everybody here, I have not gotten to meet Sean in in person yet, but I'm looking forward to it, Sean. Um, Just like that. Yeah, he probably looks like that, right? Yeah, it's fine. Um, (laughs) But like, if I had been a jerk to any of these people, like, would I, would I be where I am now? Probably not. Like, just because they're incredible I, I think you would have. I mean, no, you, know, I mean you, have a, you have a you have a wonderful laugh. Oh my gosh, thank you. Yes, I am very <laughs> compelling. But it's also because I'm usually not a jerk unless people deserve it. But like you just think about everybody you meet is freaking awesome and you're meeting them for a reason. So don't be a jerk. Enjoy that you're meeting them and like go go on your way. I don't, I don't think you're capable of being a jerk. I love you for saying that. I would Probably. never be a jerk to you because unlike Mona Lisa, I can be frightened. I don't think Mona Lisa frightens easily, but oh, I think Mona Lisa could hurt yeah. me. Yeah, no, I but, but Mona Lisa yeah. can definitely frighten somebody. That's what I'm That's, saying. She could hurt yeah. me. Um, and I don't I want her to love me, not turn me into a vampire. <laughs> I, the only thing I, I I the only people who have to worry about me are restaurant chairs. Which <laughs> Wow. That's excellent. Anyway, I was—I saw one of those. Yes. <laughs> Very specific. You should definitely ask her about that at a con, you guys. No, ask Rob. Ask Rob. He tells it really good. All right. So it's okay. So not now, though. Not now. <laughs> okay. Fine. Another time we'll do that. Well, let's let's do this. We we um let's just. To every one of you has a, either a book that's recently come out or something that's coming out next. So let's just go around and kind of 
tell what uh, what's next or what's most recent your choice and uh, and then and then uh, and then we'll wind up so i'll go the other direction uh so uh griff uh what have you got coming out next or what's your most recent thing uh i, I believe it's going to be a uh, one of two short stories uh, that are going to be in different anthologies i'm in the uh uh the latest and greatest of the uh uh, uh black tide rising anthologies with john ringo's uh uh, zombie uh, stuff. I've got a short story in that. And then I've got uh, Casey Azell and Larry Correa put together a, a third uh, anthology down these mean streets. Uh, it's another noir anthology and that features the return of my uh, necromancer character. Um, and uh, uh, I'm excited about both of those coming out. Uh, and then I have, uh, I'm working on the third installment of the 1632 universe stuff. Uh, for me, anyway, my third installment of it, uh, which will, deals with the Mughal Empire and uh, Princess Jahanara. Um, and then I've got some gaming stuff that I'm working on for Steve Jackson. Uh, and uh, it's going to be the 1632 uh, universe uh, addenda or uh, uh, universe book for uh, GURPS. Oh, very interesting. Awesome. Yeah, I'm oh, super excited cool. about that. Uh, all right, Marisa, what what have you got uh, coming up next or soon that you want to talk about? I mean, you know, February is soon. So in February, my very first all by myself novel uh, comes out uh, from Bain called Beyond Enemies. It has a very beautiful cover that I am very much obsessed with. Um, so February 2024, keep an eye out. Um, I will also be in the noir anthology alongside legends like Griffin Berber. Uh, which is very exciting. Um, and most recently, um, most recently, two things, uh, Chicks and Tank Tops, where you can get a preview of my novel. You can meet some characters who will be in it uh, in Next Question in Chicks and Tank Tops. And then you get Chicks and Tank Tops. So how can you say no? Um, and also uh, we mentioned Chris Kennedy Publishing earlier. So with Chris Kennedy Publishing, um, I got to write A Team in Space. Uh, which was pretty fun. So that is in uh, Phoenix Initiative First Missions, an anthology from the Four Horsemen universe. Uh, so it was super fun. Very cool. Yeah. Sean? So several things. The first thing that everybody should do right now, because you can order it online on Amazon, is Weird World War China, which comes out in January. But you can pre-order it now. And the more pre-orders, the sooner you'll get it. So uh, the other th books that you should check out are the two prequels to that. So there's Weir Weird World War III, which is about the U.S. essentially fighting Russia, which was published in 2020, and then it kind of happened. So I fully expect China to go the same way. Uh, there's also the book in between, which is Weird World War IV. We're not there yet, but, uh, you know, we always could. But just imagine combining military science fiction and fantasy with a weird element okay so think of like stephen king's the mist things like that um not just horror but science fiction fantasy etc also i have two short stories in uh ones in robo soldiers which bain had released i think last year as well as worlds uh long lost i think uh dave's in that one too, and there might I be, am. I am as well. Yeah. Yeah. Griff is in there too. So definitely check those out. Very cool. Mona Lisa, what have you got coming up? Um, in 
August, uh, the September, October issue of Analog comes out and I have a novelette about a quantum entangled creature. Uh, so I sold a hard science fiction novelette to Analog, which That's still, awesome. yeah, I'm not sure how that happened. And then in December, um, awesome. Threading the Needle <laughs> comes out from Bayon, which is my, um, which is about a sniper, a female sniper in kind of a, a different kind of setting, which I hope you guys will enjoy. It sounds amazing. Kind of a science fiction with some Western influence and also some sort of some Restoration Japan. Yeah, it's it's. I wrote it as a space opera. I pitched it as a space opera. It came out a space Western kind of <laughs> and military sci-fi and a few other things. I think um, I'm still trying to figure out what it is exactly. So yeah. apparently cross genres is my thing for some reason. So is that like maybe like a little kind of firefly feel to it? Is that kind of a way to think yeah. about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's not a team like there was in Firefly. It's a little bit more focused on a single character. But yeah, you've got this Meiji restoration kind of um setting. Basically in in the in the city where the spaceport is, you have something akin to 21st century technology. But the further you go out from the spaceport, um, so the further you go out on in like the the wilds, the less technological it gets. So a lot of the story takes place in more of a Western, um, uh, something that that you would see either in a spaghetti Western or in a samurai movie. Yeah. Kind of setting. Oh, very exciting. Uh, Rob, what have you got recent or soon that you want to talk about? I, I've got this little book called The Moon in the Desert. You may not have seen any references to it around. Um, uh, the Moon in the Desert is my homage to uh, The Six Million Dollar Man. And a lot of it is based on some real life experience I've had working on the uh, working alongside the people who are creating bionics and um, brain controlled interfaces for uh, uh, for computers, for prosthetics and the like. Um, I, too, have a uh, story in the upcoming noir uh, anthology. Uh, I was also uh, had a story in Chicks and Tank Tops. So Chicks and Tank Tops, which is a very light feel, I wrote very, very dark. And for <laughs> the noir anthology, which has by nature a fairly dark setting, I wrote very, very light. So uh, I'm a contrarian, um, which is also why I am working uh, simultaneously now on um, a sequel to The Moon in the Desert, called the sands of mars and also um uh, meanwhile i am two-thirds of the way through a black tide rising novel set in hawaii wow very cool is that is that you co-writing with john or is that just a rob hampson solo novel well that's me writing with john's permission and uh and somewhat tony's permission um she claimed she'd never heard of me talk about it before, although I know I've talked with her about it before. Uh, and so I just had so much material, I wrote it down and then I'll see what they think about it. Nice. Oh, very exciting. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us on the, the, uh, on the radio hour. Congratulations on 
all your uh, successes, your your recent, your upcoming publications, and I look forward to seeing you all hopefully, you know, next July, if uh, if not sooner. Yeah, heck yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully much sooner, yes. Yeah. Come on, we, we need to not wait so long before seeing each other. <laughs> yes. And now we bring you our audiobook serialization of Tinker by Wynne Spencer. Inventor girl genius Tinker lives in a near future Pittsburgh, which now exists mostly in the land of the elves. She runs her salvage business, pays her taxes, and tries to keep the local ambient level of magic down with gadgets of her own design. When a pack of wargs chase an elven noble into her scrapyard, life as she knows it takes a serious detour. Tinker finds herself taking on the Elven Court, the NSA, the Elven Interdimensional Agency, technology smugglers, and a college-minded xenobiologist as she tries to stay focused on what's really important, her first date. Armed with an intelligence the size of a planet, steel-toed boots, and a junkyard dog attitude, Tinker is ready to kick butt to get her first kiss. It took hours. News of Windwolf's condition spread through the commune. Despite the frantic shuffle of leaving and incoming postdocs, many of the scientists stopped by to lend a hand. Hot food was carried from the kitchens. Biologists came to help with the first aid efforts. When the phones came back online at 8 in the morning, the biologists fielded phone calls from earthbound scientists looking for specimens and data forgotten during the caller's last trip to Elfholm. They even ran Lane's data transfer. At 10, a van arrived to pick up botanical specimens that Lane had collected and quarantined over the last 30 days. Lane had to supervise, making sure that only the most harmless of Elfholm's biological flora were loaded, even though the most deadly, like the strangle vines and black willows, probably wouldn't flourish without magic. The drivers complained about the 10 hours to travel the 10 miles in from the rim, unloaded the truck of food and supplies, stared at the improving wind wolf in open curiosity, and then hurried off, hoping aloud that the twelve hours of shutdown remaining would be enough time to reach the rim again. They prompted an exodus among the scientists who were returning to Earth. Finally, the house emptied, and Tinker sprawled on a white wicker chaise stolen from Lane's sun porch. Lane found her nearly asleep and tapped, tapped her on the cheek with a printout. Tinker slid open her eyes, took the paper, and closed her eyes again. What's this? Carnegie Mellon University reviewed your application. Apparently, they've been able to confirm your father's alumni-slash-faculty history prior to their hasty move out of Oakland. They were impressed by your placement tests, and they've accepted you. They're offering you a scholarship, and your living costs would be handled by the Displaced Citizen Fund. They're trying to decide if you qualify for the in-state tuition scale. If we get your reply out today, you can start in the fall. Lane? Tinker kept her eyes shut, not wanting to see Lane's excitement. They were impressed by my placement tests? How? I know I didn't get any of the questions right. I applied just to make you happy. I didn't think they would accept me. I thought I made sure they wouldn't accept me. I don't want to go. 
frosty silence. Tinker could imagine the disapproving look. Even with her eyes closed, it had Medusa-like powers. Tinker, Lane said, apparently realizing the magic of her gaze alone wasn't working. I didn't push this last year because you weren't legal yet, but now you can come and go without worry. You're wasting your life in that scrapyard. You are the most brilliant person I've ever met, and you're twiddling with junked cars. Oh, the dreaded scrapyard attack. The scrapyard pays the bills, gives me parts to work with, and all the spare time I could want. It lets me do what makes me happy. If I want to spend three weeks inventing hover cycles, I make hover cycles. Any university or corporation would outfit you with a state-of-the-art lab. Tinker made a noise of disgust. No, they wouldn't. She cracked her eye, glanced over the paper, double-checking her facts before finishing. See, I would be a freshman, whatever the hell that is, on probationary status due to the unusual nature of my schooling and lack of exposure to normal human society. They're not offering me a lab. They will, as soon as they see your full capabilities. Besides, a term or two of liberal arts classes could only help you. There's so much you don't know. Maybe about Oni, but not about quantum mechanics. There's more to life than just physics. Shakespeare, Mozart, Picasso. You'll be exposed to the entire range of human culture and meet intelligent people your own age. People my age are immature. She sat up, scrubbing at her hair and wincing as she hit a sore spot. What's a bloody rush? Can't I think about this until next shutdown? Lane pressed her mouth into a tight line, meaning she didn't want to answer the question, but her basic honesty forced her to. You should go before you start to date. Lane held up a hand to check a protest. I know you're not interested in any of the local guys yet, but it's only a matter of time before your curiosity overcomes repulsion. And once you get entangled with a man, it's so much harder to walk away. With Johnny Be Good fresh in her mind, Tinker said, Oh, ick. I don't think that's really a danger, Lane. At CMU, there will be hundreds of intelligent boys your age who are more interested in graduating than getting married and having kids. Okay, okay. She cried to stop the flow. Give me a little while to think about it. It was the last thing on my mind. Speaking of what was mostly on her mind, she asked, How is Windwolf? Stable. I'd like to think he's stronger than when I first saw him. I think he's out of immediate danger. Rain still smeared the windows, graying the world beyond. The flatbed sat deep in Lane's prize flower beds. Rain-filled tire ruts ran across the yard and through the crushed flowers and the dismantled fence. Six deep channels of torn-up earth zigzagging through the perfect lawn until it was more mud than grass. Lane had spent hours and days and years working on her garden, crippled leg and all. It was going to take ages to right all the damage. Tinker stared guiltily at the mess and then looked at the paper in her hand. Lane had never asked, over the years, for any repayment for all the things she had done for Tinker. From comforting Tinker when her grandfather died, to advice on her menses, Lane had only given. Classes would start in September and run until before Christmas. 
three shutdowns. Just 90 days. And she could always bail early if she hated it. Okay, I'll attend one set of classes and give it a try. Lane went round-eyed in amazement. Really? Yes. Tinker cringed before her excitement. One semester, nothing more. I'll try it. I know I won't like it, and that will be that. We'll be square. Lane gave her a sharp look, which probably meant she wasn't happy with the idea that Tinker viewed college as a prison sentence, but didn't debate it. She leaned forward and kissed Tinker on the forehead. Good. I'll email them your acceptance. Tinker hunched in the chair, watching the rain sheet down the glass, feeling as if she herself were sliding down a slippery plain, gray and formless. There was no doubting she'd pleased Lane. The xenobiologist had always expected Tinker's best, and in doing so, usually got it. Tinker learned all the levels of Lane's praise, from the scathing backhanded compliment for a job sloppily done, to the Mona Lisa smile and swat for a clever but naughty act. Lane had bestowed her ultimate seal of approval with a kiss. Perhaps it was good that she was going to give Earth a try. Tinker had carefully avoided Earth her whole life, afraid that if she left Pittsburgh, she wouldn't be able to return to Elf home. Tinker grudgingly admitted to herself that it was childish to cling to the old and familiar, rebuking the new just because it was new. Didn't she pride herself at being extremely mature for her age? And yet, with her whole heart and soul, she didn't want to leave home. Tinker fell asleep some time after that. Her sleeping mind twisted the day's worries and events and shaped them into her recurring maze nightmare. As a new twist, Johnny B. Good starred as a Tengu, transforming into a crow's form to steal her diamond-shaped purity. Tulu knew where Johnny had hidden the gem inside the maze, but only spouted nonsense for directions. Windwolf did his typical, failing your potential speeches. Why him and not her grandfather or Lane, she never could fathom. And suddenly the dream went off in a new, erotic direction. Asserting that he knew what was best for her, Windwolf held her down and kissed his way down to her groin. His soft hair pooled over her bare legs as his insistent tongue caressed at a point of pleasure she barely knew existed. She woke, with her abdomen rippling with the strength of her orgasm. What the hell was that? She lay in the same position as in her dream, legs parted and hips cocked up. Her pose merged with the dream memory so strongly that for a moment she wasn't sure if she hadn't truly experienced the sex act. Common sense seeped in as she became more fully awake. No, it had just been a dream. Too bad. She squeezed her eyes shut, stealing a hand down the front of her pants, trying to recapture that roiling bliss. Oil can clunked into the room, rain darkening his shirt. Hey. Burning with embarrassment, Tinker yanked her hand out of her pants and tried to sound nonchalant. Hey. Oil Can shoved his damp hair back out of his eyes. I went out to the trailer. The level indicators on the power sink are showing that we've only got a few more hours and then it's gone. Tinker looked at the darkening sky, seeing that dusk was coming on. What time is it? Almost seven. Five more hours until startup.
That was another installment in Win Spencer's Tinker. And that's it for the podcast. Thanks as always to audible.com and podcast theme composer, Ruth Judgowitz. Praise, thanks, and gratitude to Dave Butler, Griffin Barber, Robert E. Hampson, Marissa Wolf, Sean Patrick Hazlett, and Mona Lisa Foster for discussing LibertyCon with us today. And good night, Tony Daniel, wherever you are. This is David F. Shryrod coming to you from a soundproof bunker somewhere deep in the heart of Texas. Join us here next week at the hammering heart of science fiction and fantasy and keep reaching for the stars.